All right then, Robert. So great to be with you. How's things? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, I'm just looking up and seeing that the rain falling outside and that kind of autumn, autumn weather creeping in. But it's it's great. Mm. I I miss autumns in England. I, uh, I I live in the Netherlands. We were just talking about that, and I, it's beautiful here too. But there's something about the English autumn I really love. I miss it so. Yeah, I kind of feel a little pang there as you mentioned that. <laughs> of course, you know, it's also just rains a lot, doesn't it? But you know, yeah. I was going to say there's something lovely about there's the change of season. So where, where where I live, there's a tree outside the the front room window, and we we kind of watch it change through the season. And there's that lovely golden brown space that it goes through, uh, right. which is really lovely. Uh, but now it's kind of just this skeleton of a tree, but it's waiting for regrowth. So that that's the next step. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, probably a good metaphor for the work we do. Um, mm. We're going to talk about your uh, work today and uh, animus coaching and you've been coaching for a long time. So, and then I, I also, you train coaches. And so um, I'd love to just begin by asking you about the, you know, this year with the pandemic mm. and how you feel it's had an impact on the coaching space and see, let's see where that takes us. Cause I know you've been exploring diversity in coaching and mm. yeah, let's just see where you take this with that question. Yeah. yeah so I think there's something really interesting uh, that happened with the pandemic. It kind of forced everybody to go online and, uh, although a lot of coaches work online, I think there's often this choice point you have of you know being face to face with your with your 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 clients or your talkers or your thinkers, whatever you want to kind of describe them as. And the pandemic went okay. Well, we can't do that, so we're all going to hit the screens. And I think for some coaches, it meant that they lost something, or they felt they lost something, felt they lost mm -hmm. a connection. And they had to refine how do I connect with somebody in this way? I think for others, it created opportunity because it meant that you weren't bound to who could meet you in your space. You could work with anybody around the world. So there was something about that that I think was, you know, the, the opportunity within the crisis. Um, but I also feel that the crisis had an impact on the coaching space itself because there's this thing that's going on that's impacting everybody. That's almost like a, this, this pressure that's sitting on the outside on the edges that's slowly creeping closer and closer. And I think there was something really interesting over time where, you know, people around us were, were unwell, friends around us were unwell. Uh, you know, unfortunately, some people, you know, lost their life during this. And so it became very real in the actual space itself, but it wasn't always what we were talking about. So it's like there was this unconscious or under the surface uh, event taking place that wasn't always presented in the coaching conversations. And I think that it's, it's shifted how, how coaching is, maybe not on a, on a global way, but definitely for the coaching that I was doing, there was this recognition that there was this pressure, this thing that was there that was affecting both of us, but I'm here as the coach to serve you, but I'm also being affected by this. So how do I bracket what's happening for me and serve uh, my client whilst at the same time feeling that pressure sort of building up? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel that for me, I'm really passionate right now about systemic the systemic, you know, or the collective and the individual. Mm. I feel like I've really focused a lot on the individual. And um, this pandemic for me has highlighted how there is this systemic or this collective and how it, they're so intimately connected and how also that this pandemic has seems to have confronted us, you know, with mm. many of the things we've we were subject to, you know, that we held just as the way things are and suddenly they're in our face, you know, and we're being, we're questioning things. And I think it's healthy and it's scary too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, 
the, the idea of where do we work? Where does one work has been questioned during this because uh, luckily uh, most of my, my team are able to work from home and have spaces within their homes where they can, they can work. And, and that's been interesting because for some people they can't work at home. They have to go in and, and do the work and, you know, face that, that challenge. But one of the beautiful things about being forced to work from home is we get windows into each other's homes and we get a window into our clients' homes and our clients' lives. And there's something really interesting about that and how we start to see each other differently. So how we start to connect with each other differently by, you know, seeing the the artwork that's in one space or the color that's in one space and go, oh, that's interesting. That, you know, what, what might that say ab- about that person that I'm having this conversation with or... Or, or, you know, what am I connected to or drawn to about that? So I think there's some really lovely things that have come from this forced working from home uh, experience. But I also think that there has been a relentless about it as well, because you don't leave home to go to work. So one of the challenges that I've had is when I travel to work, that's my thinking time. That's my podcast listening time. That's my book reading time. And then on the way home, it's my kind of um, downtime before I arrive home from work. And having removed that, it's like I get up and I come and sit <laughs> at the dining room table and I'm at work. And so work's mm. in my home. And so that, I think, has had a, a pressure for people and for coaches where they're not stopping working or stepping away from the work to think about the work. They're in it the whole time. Mm. What? Yeah, what what's been the consequence of that for you? I'm curious, like how that's impacted you. Mm, so it's it's forced me to create other rituals. So I had to find a way to replace my traveling ritual. So when it was uh, in uh, sort of spring and summertime, well, at the end of the day, I could go for a walk because it was still nice out and still bright out, and so that that became the ritual as it's become a lot darker and gloomier, it's like, okay, there's, you know, um, go and take a shower and kind of switch modes as it were at the end of the day. I, I, uh, when I get up in the morning, I sort of, uh, have a seven o'clock wake up coffee podcast reading then about eight o'clock, get ready for work, nine o'clock, open my laptop, begin my day. Um, and then at the, at the end of the day, I kind of unwind that. And the, the reason I'm laughing is because I get fully dressed. Like a lot of people are doing their working in their pajamas. It's like, I'm, you know, I've got, I'm fully going for it. I've got my jeans on. I've got my shoes on. I got shirts on. I got my jacket on today. I'm in, I'm in a, a, a jumper, but I'm like fully dressed at the end of the day. I get into my comfort clothes, which is the end of the day stuff. Um, and my relaxation stuff. So it's like having to recreate those markers for myself. Right. There's something about this I love. It's, um, I wonder how, if, if you see a connection with, you know, we talked about talking about narrative and coaching mm-hmm. and, um, you know, in a sense, this pandemic has had, has been a huge impact on the, the narratives we live in. And even this like day-to-day ritual of, who I am and how I transition between my experiences. Um, so, so yeah. Do you, do you see a connection there with, with working with narrative and um, that being transformational, you know, that we can actually begin to kind of work with it consciously? Yeah. I, I, so for me that, you know, the, the narrative is the, you know, what's the story that we're presenting in this moment? What's the story that we're living? How do we become conscious of that story? Uh, name that story and, and recognize the roles that we play within that story. And it's like that the pandemic has become a theme or a chapter that we're, that we're living through. And then within that chapter, what are the, the scenes that are, that are us in that? And so the world is kind of going through that, that theme. And then each of us live our own chapters or storylines, I guess, within that. And the theme is forcing our storylines to shift and to change. 
And for me, there's something about how do we get ownership of that? So one of the things I think has been made really evident is this idea that we are not in control. There is no certainty. Mm. And um, we often have that faux certainty that exists for us. And this pandemic has gone, poof, let's face it on a, you know, that existential level of uncertainty. Let's experience that on a day-to-day basis, which I think has had a real impact on people and how they see themselves, how they're living their lives right now, because they're going, wait a minute, nothing is certain. And I thought things were certain, but they're not. And and we're having to sort of face that and, and wrestle with that and then make our choices within that uncertainty of how do we respond to and live with that. So, you know, for me, I love that certainty of, I would leave the flat, walk down to the coffee shop. Um, the, the, the wonderful lady that works in the coffee shop would always hand me my coffee because she knows what I have every day and she knows what time my train goes. So she knows if I'm in a rush or not. And that, that little interrelationship we have there. And there was this certainty that the train would come and I would go into the office. And that was part of my narrative, part of my story, part of how I showed up. And then that narrative just got flipped. And so you have to recreate a narrative and recreate a process or a ritual for yourself to be okay within your new narrative. Yeah. Because I think there's a really nice parallel, of course, with potentially the work you're doing with your clients. Yeah. Like, so we can weave it together. I'm just curious, like, because yeah, you're saying like yeah, actually it's a it's a disruption, but it's a potential to weave a new narrative. And mm. how do you go about that? You know, like how do you tease out that new narrative? Because I'm wondering, like, is there a way you can do that too quickly? Like, do you want to stay in a you know a kind of unbounded space or like yeah? Mm. So 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 for me, when I'm working with my clients, it's about not me naming the narrative that I think there exists existing within, but allowing them to share that narrative and for me to reflect what I'm hearing. So as they present their changed narrative, I can notice that changedness and reflect it back and go, are you aware? Have you noticed that there is a difference here than last time we spoke? And what is that difference you're noticing? And do you want to hold on to that? Or do you want to do something about it? Maybe not as in that exact language, but yeah, yeah. But, but I allow what is. So for me, it's about, you know, allowing what is to exist and to name what is. And so we can pay attention to that and and from that understand what the narrative is that's playing out right now. And do we want to rewrite that? Do we want to reauthor that? How how do we want to exist within that? Mm, yeah. And beautiful yeah and so like i just want to i love kind of like zooming in on on this and kind of stretching it unpacking it Mm. um so like how how do you what's important for you when you're listening to somebody's narrative um you know and you're thinking oh there's something here and i can reflect it back like what are you listening for and what's important in the reflecting back yeah so it's this is a really interesting question because sometimes I don't know what I'm listening for. Right, right. Because sometimes it's it's you're not just listening to the language. And I, and I know coaches know this. We're not just listening to language, we're listening to tone, we're listening to physicality, we're listening to the the energy in the field or what's expressed in that field between us. And you're kind of listening for oddities, uh, disruptions, uh, the, the, those little shifts that, that, that just kind of make you go, oh, what's that? So you're kind of in this very curious focus space and you're just noticing what's different here or what doesn't quite sit or what's been said a few times or what's been thrown away. So that's, that's one of the things I love is like, you know, what's somebody just discarding as if it means nothing, but they've discarded it. So if it meant nothing, why is it present? So what's that about? Right. And if we brought it back and looked at it, what, what, what would we notice in that? 
Beautiful. Yeah. So, cause sometimes when clients make that comment, they were like, Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Like they name that thing as if it's like, I can't think of a specific example right now, but it's like, Oh, there was that thing there, but that doesn't matter, you know, but mm. then, Oh, you just, but you named it like interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm also looking for what's, what's, what's missing. And I can't always know what's missing, but sometimes you feel that there is a void in the, in the, in the narrative. It's like, something's missing here. What, what, what might that be? And to not be attached to finding it, but to be open to explore it with, with the client and to be open to ask questions of, well, what else is going on for you that makes that important or makes that necessary or makes this conversation happen? Right. Yeah. I love hearing this because it, it's um, confirming to me again about what I love about coaching, what I think is important and is a, is a leading edge in coaching, you know, that we can refine ourselves to perceive our clients in this way, you know, like that we're, uh, we're sensing like, what are these oddities or um, what's missing that's not being spoken into. And that, you know, over time we can become better and better at, at, mm. at like being attuned to that. And it's interesting because you use the word narrative, but it's like, actually, it feels like it's kind of like, I don't know if I'd use the word like energetic, but it's like, you're also really tuned into the frequency of who your client is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would, I would say so. And, and I think that there is different language that we might use around what it is that we are tuning into uh, and we might talk about that as the language that is expressed. Um, but I also feel that there is a, a, a quality of expression, a quality of tone, uh, an energy that exists within the space, within that field. Um, it's, it's, and I might describe it as when you uh, train coaches. So when we were training in the physical world, as opposed to the virtual world, um, and you would move around a room of coaches coaching in their pairs or their triads. And you could all, you know, as you move from group to group, you could see they were in their tiny little bubble. And it was like they had created this uh, space for themselves and pushed everything else outside. And they can't hear what's happening outside the space. They can only hear what's happening in this space between them, uh, them and their client. And, it's it's like we create these little bubbles for ourselves when we're working. And sometimes this can be very uh, evident. So in a practice room where lots of people practice, you can almost sense that you can see it and you can hear it as you move through the space. And I think that's what we do with our clients. So it's definitely what I do with my clients is I go, okay, let's connect into this little thing here. And how do I allow then my intuition to play part in that? because I'm picking up things, words are giving me images. I'm noticing things that, that are coming into me and I can share those things without an attachment, but a, hmm, I'm feeling this right now. I'm noticing this right now. This image came to mind. Does that have any res um, relevance, resonance to you? Yeah. Okay. What is it for you? What are you noticing about that word or that phrase or that image? Or, okay, it doesn't. Okay, let's move on. So not being attached to what I'm noticing in the field, but being aware of my noticings and being open to share that. Right, beautiful. Yeah. Because um, what, what, what's been, what's helped you trust your intuition? Like over the, you know, over time, it sounds like you've refined it. What's helped you do that? I think so, so part of this is, um, is, is the response from the client. So when you go, Oh, this came to mind and you share and they go, Oh, that's really interesting. That, that reminds me of, and they're responding to it and you kind of go, Oh, okay. So this thing that I'm noticing has relevance. So let me lean into that noticing and that sharing. I think also that, that there is, cause you know, when I think about intuition, it's, it's like we're noticing something that's just outside our vision. 
and um, the continuous sort of study as a as a coach that we do because you know all the coaches I know that we you know we love reading we love learning we 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 kind of are, are sponges to this this craft and that also gives us insights into things so sometimes it's a book that we've read ages ago that somebody says something that triggers a half memory of that book and then we kind of name that half memory into the space and see see what happens i think that's a long way around to answering being playful is part of what's allowed me to do that and part of my past craft has enabled me to do that so i you know i trained as an actor i i did lots of improvisation work I did lots of personal clowning work and comedy work. And there's something with that work where you are very open and vulnerable. So you are able just to kind of go, I'm I'm going to share this. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, that's also great. So let's put more ideas into the pot and see what, what we get from it. And I think that's what drew me to narrative coaching. So when I first started coaching, I was very aware that, the questions I ask my clients are the same questions that I ask of my character that I'm playing in a play. And I was like, oh, there's something here. What, what is this? And for a while I thought it was just coincidence. But then when I read sort of Drake's work and Michael White's work, I started to go, oh, okay. There's, there's language for this, which then gives you a stronger uh, presence in the space because you know it comes from somewhere yes it's intuitive yes we're wired for stories so it's just part of the human dynamic but there's also research around it so it allows you to feel more uh, congruent and more confident to to lean into that space yeah so much of what you're saying uh, it sparks so much inside of me you know I, I've been thinking about the um, necessity or the power of coaches being um, cross-disciplinary, you know, like in the sense that you were able to take those things from clowning and acting and see, ah, there is, there's certain synergies here, you know, certain dynamics are at play Mm -hmm. in both. And I think that that's something, there's something that takes you into a path of mastery around that. Mm -hmm. And this sense of leaning into, you said like leaning into, and um, it's just outside of the vision and it speaks to me of this like way of being of where we we're like we're sensing and we're allowing the coaching to emerge to unfold and we're attuned to something you know which you know maybe there's a word for it but it's like this sense of emergence and like Mm. like we know when it's there you know it's like you said it's like sometimes the client responds and you're like ah that that wasn't it or but it um I guess like the question it's forming is like, what do you think about the importance of that? I think in Drake's work, when I like touched into it, it's like this sense of how there's an unfoldingness too of our clients and we can, Hmm. we can kind of be um, a guide or we can be a conduit for that. Uh, Then I'll just see what comes up for you. There's a question in there. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I guess part of it for me, this um, this cross disciplinary way of being. It's one of the things that has always served me very well. Uh, has been around noticing physicality. So I also trained as a mime artist, and when you go through mime artist training, you go you know, one of the exercises is you go to the zoo, you you pick an animal, you observe that animal, and then you try to create the essence of that animal in in movement. And so I'm really uh, tuned into movement. And so when I'm working with somebody, I'm really noticing how are they moving? What's, what language am I using that's creating movement in them? But when they're speaking or not speaking, what's happening to them in their movement and being able to lean into that. And I think it's the same for a musician because they're listening to the sing song of our voice and noticing that the tunes that we're, we're playing out. I think it's the same for an artist who's seeing us almost as a, a, a painting and noticing the different tones of that painting coming through. Um, I think it's the same for somebody who's uh, studied philosophy 
who's kind of asking themselves, what are the philosophical questions that are presenting themselves in this moment with my client? And it's not stuff that we go, I'm coaching and using this. It's stuff that's in us and part of us and that feeds into our coaching being. So I think there's a real importance to not throw away your life's history and your life's experience when you become a coach, but to use that as fuel for your coaching, whilst at the same time being very clear about what is coaching. So you're not using it as fuel and blurring the lines and creating this hybrid coaching thing, which is okay. You can have a hybrid thing, but name it as that thing. Mm. And when you're doing your, your coaching, using these other tools and skills to feed into that, which also then make you unique in your coaching, which is the, you know, the thing that I, I love about coaching is that even when you've had exactly the same training as somebody else, because of your unique as a, as a human being, when you coach, it's going to be different. Therefore, you're going to attract different clients. And so there's this whole kind of circular thing about be you, coach as you, and people that want, need, or are attracted to that will then find you or you'll find them. And then, then that's your tribe and that's who you work with. And then that then changes over time. So as you develop as a coach, and you learn more as a coach and, and you expand your learning, the way in which you work shifts. So the people that you work with also shifts. And sometimes we don't even notice that. And we look back and we go, wow, this year I'm coaching completely different people than I was two, three, four years ago. That's interesting. So we don't get to, you know, be aware of not being fixed as a coach as well, not getting into this. I must work like this. And this is the way. So this is a way that exists for us right now. And over time that will unfold into something else, into something different. And I think that's part of the, the sort of the animus philosophy of we're going to teach you lots of ways of working with coaching and you as the coach decide, which are the ones that resonate most for you. So which are you going to lean into more, but it also gives you the, the, the tool box that when a client comes to you, you can go, oh, they, they want that. I've, I've got that somewhere in my box. Let me get that out and work with them in, in that way. Whilst at the same time, allowing this unfolding to, to take place and staying curious with, with what is and not being attached to your outcome, their outcome, your agenda, and, and allowing that space to live. Because I think part of it is, is, is tuning into the relationship that exists between you and your client, it, you know, cause it's all about, all about, <laughs> somebody might challenge me on that, but it's about that relationship mm. and it's about the dialogue that exists within that relationship. Even when that dialogue is silent, that enables the client to go on and do what it is that they choose to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, there's something I want to ask you about animus a bit more, but there's something you said about that we evolve as coaches, you know, who we coach changes. And do you find that you are, you know, consciously intentionally part of that process yourself? You know, do you think about like, okay, what's my, like, what's most exciting me right now? What's at my edge? Or is that just something you find is, is just happening as you coach more and more, or maybe both. It's interesting because I haven't really thought about it. And as I think about it in this moment, I, I think one it's about what's happening in my own field, what's happening in my, my world will cause me to work with different people or people to, to be attracted to working with me as a coach or as a supervisor or as a, as a, as a mentor. Um, so there's that. And I think there's also that, you know, when we learn something new, that then feeds into our coaching, which then attracts different people to, to want to work with us. Hmm. But I think there is something interesting, you know, because sometimes it is very deliberate. Sometimes there is a very deliberate uh, application of learning. So a, a few years ago, I, I did, um, uh, David's course on narrative coaching 
And I made a very deliberate and conscious effort to bring this work to my coaching. So I said to people, this is the work that I'm now exploring. If you'd like to work with me in this way, then, then let's explore that. So there's a very conscious effort to kind of, to get the rigor of that work in my system to work with people in that way. So there's, there's that, that moment. Uh, when I think about uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Bronwyn Nash, who's been exploring sort of uh, clean coaching and uh, clean language and, and metaphor work, she went through a phase of being very deliberate of this is the work that I'm studying right now. And this is why I'm bringing to the space. So let's really look at that in, in how I show up. And when we do that, it creates a shift in, in who, who we're attracted to and who, who seeks us out to, to work with us. Yeah. But I like, what I like is that there's a way that we can, the e, this sounds like this, this is ease of like, this is what I'm doing right now. I love, I'm, exp- I'm consciously exploring this in my work. And so um, if you feel called to that, come join me in that. And mm, I like yeah. that. And because um, I, I ask, because I, I seem in myself, it's like there's perhaps there was always this seed at the start of my coaching journey of like the kind of coach I wanted to become. And I couldn't, I couldn't put it in language at that point, you know, like I, if you would have asked me back then, I would have been like, uh, you know, stumbling, trying to name it. Mm. But the more and more I go on my journey, the more I refine myself, the clearer it gets. And, and then, you know, the more precise decisions I make about the trainings mm. I do. And, you know, and then it all seems to be heading in this direction, you know, of my kind of, yeah, like self-actualization or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I was lucky when I first started coaching because coaching, I didn't learn coaching to become a coach. I was working with a lady called Matilda Gilbert. We were doing uh, work in schools. Um, she was doing the sort of the academic piece. I was doing the creative piece and we were coming together to, 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 to explore creativity in schools. And um, when she would talk, now, when she would hold these meetings, sometimes we did with, with head teachers, she would bring them in. And I was like, how, how is she doing that? And she would ask questions. And I was like, I'm a great facilitator, but she's like, this is another level. And I was like, what is it you're doing that's, that allows that to happen? And she talked about uh, a few modalities, but coaching being one of them. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go and learn this thing called coaching so I can be better at running my workshops. So it wasn't about becoming a coach. It was just about running workshops. And then I was running workshops in schools with young people. And, you know, they would be being young people as they do. And I would say, okay, so what's happening for you right now? And what do you think that means for everybody else? And so what would you like to be doing? And, and what's important to you here? And so, so how do we make this happen? And, and what's your part in making this happen? And these kids go, oh, this is going on. That's going on. And right, so I'll do this. I go, okay, so, so how do we need to be for that? to happen and what do you need from me to make that happen and all of a sudden you've got all these kids that were kicking off part of a whole working together creating something now I know drama does that anyway theatre work does that anyway but it was it was added to mm. and teachers were going what are you doing what's what's happening here how are you doing this um and I said oh I'm you know these are coaching questions they're like well can you come and do this more so then I would go in and be be running small uh, groups with young people and using coaching to explore behavior in the classroom and and stuff like that. And then that went into working with six formers about, uh, you know, next steps and where do you want to be in life and where do you want to go? A friend of mine works at a drama school. So I would go into his work with his third year students about, you know, so you're about to go into the industry. What do you need to be successful in the industry? So the whole time I was doing this coaching stuff, it, I was allowed to play with it because it wasn't what I was doing. Mm. And then one day woke up and went, wait a minute, this is all I do. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right. I've transitioned from this workshop leader into a coach and a coaching trainer. And it was like, oh, that's really interesting. But I tried to hold on to the playfulness of, of it. So it doesn't become so fixed that it becomes too precious. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 important. Yeah, that that sense of because it 
like I, I hold on one side, like this is important, you know, but, but if it's just that, then it can become, yeah, like this is, <laughs> yeah, it gets tight or precious. And so the playfulness yeah. is important. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a craft. Cause I think when I think about there's a program that I watch, I've never made this association before. There's a program that I watch on telly called The Repair Shop. And most of the people that I know, when I say I love it, they go, why do you love that? It's like just people fixing stuff, right? And I'm like, yeah, but they're bringing their mastery to it. And they're bringing collaborative mastery to it. And you can see their mastery in action. And I think that's the same with coaching is that, that you know, we, we read and we do more workshops and we do more practice to, to develop a mastery in, in this work. But like them on the, on the telly, they, they're also having fun with it. They're also being playful with it. They're also going, I've never done it like this before. I wonder what will happen if I do this. So they, they're keeping that playful edge, but using those, those, you know, those 10,000 hours to uh, be the scaffold to the mm-hmm. playfulness. So it's like I'm playing, but I understand what I'm doing as I'm playing. I'm trying something new, but I understand it and I can reflect upon it as I'm trying it in this moment. So at, at Animus, we talk a lot about reflective practice. You know, how do you reflect on the work that you do? You know, getting supervision on the on the work that you do, having peer supervision and peer conversations so that we can explore. So what is this thing that we're doing and what does this mean? And how might we do it differently or how might we uh, try different approaches to, to this work? Yeah. Yeah. That is so important for me. Um, the, the, there's a, like, if I don't stay in that conversation, there's a way that, and, and also what you said about this repair shop, um, it, it, I, I resonate with that in my work, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my, my expertise, but I'm like constantly kind of like, you know, there's like something I've been reading about or tinkering with and, and it, and it's infusing my work. And it's like, Mm. if I don't do that, my coaching starts to get a bit stale and it becomes rote, you know, it becomes a bit mechanical. So it's like, I need to be on that edge. Yeah. Uh, And and that's where I'm in my genius. And so, um, yeah, maybe there's something you want to say, but I, I have a question I want to ask you, which is about animus, like, the work you're doing there, you're, you're talking about that. I'm just curious about the title as well. And it makes me want to ask you about, so I'm, I'm, I'm lumping in through loads of questions, <laughs> and, but also what do you think is like the leading edge of coaching as well? Because you're someone who's like a beautiful sense maker. Yeah. You're, you're like not only do coaching, but you're also training coaches. You've got your own podcast, you attune. So like there's stuff you're picking up that that's like, I want to know about, you know? And so, yeah, <laughs> that, I'll just throw that all in and then it's bad podcasting, but, you know. Um, so, I, you know, so, so Animus is, um, uh, is, is, was, was, was created, was founded by uh, Nick Bolton. who's the, the founder and CEO of Animus. And, uh, it, it, the, the word animus is sort of the our metaphor to live life courageously. Or you know how do how do we live courageous lives? Comes from anima and animus, and he sort of brought those words together in this this idea of so how do we face what is and make choices about it? Uh, he comes from a very philosophical existential space, so. Animus has that philosophical existentialness about it, which uh, in itself I find uh, amazing how we often don't recognize that when we are creating things because that we are creating them, they will have the essence of us about them. Right. So there's, there's something very uh, interesting and uh, dynamic about that, that we, that one could explore. That's a whole different uh, program that we could go into. <laughs> Um, and I, I guess the, the work that we do at, at Animus is about creating coaches who face the truth for themselves and for their clients, who challenge themselves and challenge their clients, who are not just going to coach by numbers. 
but are going to get into this real sense of or idea of what is it to be human? Um, what is it to have dialogue? What is it to create space where that dialogue can exist in a safe way? Uh, and, and how can we enable meaning making to take place within that space? Um, and to facilitate that, we, we have various sort of strands that we, that, that we look at, you know, the, so a lot of the tools and processes, the, you know, the psycho, psychological tools that we pull from other areas of work so, so we can follow the, the lineage of that work and we can go back and look deeper at that work. It's very humanistic what we do. Um, it's also very holistic. It's not just about, you know, the, the, the thinking or the doing. It's, it's the whole person, the whole being is part of, of that. And it's about integrating those parts together. So there are these strands that really are key for us as an organization in, in the training that, that we deliver and the material that we use for that, that training that allows coaches to work very technically, but also very humanly. So, uh, you know, I, I meet, some coaches who are very like, or I'm not going to share who I am with my client. And I'm like, but that's a choice that's in service of the client, not in service of you, the coach in my philosophy. So if I hide who I am, but who I am would really help my client, then, then I'm doing them a disservice. Mm -hmm. So, so part of what we talk about is, you know, how do we serve those that are in front of us? What's, what's right in that moment. And, so we don't get caught in this is right or wrong. It's about, well, what's right now and how can we explore that? And how could we, how can we be honest and open about that? How can we not hide our tools as coaches from our coaches, but share those tools to enable them to uh, move beyond us and continue. So they don't need us to do the work. They, they have the tools to do the work. And I guess that's part of the sort of the idea, you know, we're a transformational school and it's about how do we create those transformations within the coaches that we train? So, you know, what is it that we do that enables them to transform their lives and then the work that they do with the clients or the coaches to transform their lives or their being. And that transformation isn't always this big, huge thing that the, the outside world goes, wow, look, you're doing this now. Sometimes it's a tiny little subtle thing that's only known to the person themselves um, that has a, a, a ripple beyond them over time. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really important because actually that can be a real trap, yeah, that, that it's like all transformation needs to be like, these like epiphanies that like mm. are mind blowing. And actually there's these sh small shifts that like over time really add up. And actually the small shifts are radical in the absolutely, right. Absolutely. Yeah. We get, we get, you know, as a new coach, I might watch YouTube of somebody coaching and see them doing all this amazing stuff where their client goes, Oh my gosh, I came in and I was feeling like this. And now I'm going to go and conquer the world. And we go, that's what coaching is. And we try and emulate that. And it's like, well, that's a version of coaching. Um, and to remember as well, that those shifts might not happen in the room. There's, you know, often, uh, you know, we'll be wrestling with something in the room. My client will leave. I'll see them in two, three weeks time. And that thing that we were wrestling with doesn't exist anymore. And I go, wow. Okay. So it got solved, but it's because, you know, we're meaning making machines. We're processing machines where the work doesn't end when the client leaves the room. Mm. It continues to flow and to, to exist um, be beyond us. So you know, we are part of the change making, but we are not the change makers. We're part of the, the system that creates change. I, when I hear you speak about the way you hold coaching, it's like, you know, on the one hand, we could have like the, the, the coach who doesn't share themselves with the client and, um, you know, is using a method in a certain way and wants to create epiphany moments. And, you know, that can create a pressure 
like that can really get in the way of you seeing and being attuned to your client and what's here. Mm. And um, this sense of what I like is like this higher order of like um, almost like breaking out of the more socialized or, or professional, not that you're abandoning professionalism, but you're like, there's a way if you hold yourself as like, I'm a coach, you don't know anything about me that um, that can have a limit and that mm. there's something that opens up when you say, I'm here with you. Yes, this is not about me, but it, but I'm going to share myself in relationship and it's very potent. And it, it's, it's like a higher order of meaning making that that's can allow richness in. Yeah, you know, Nick talks about this as, as you know, withness. You know, we, we, we're doing this in a withness way. We're with our clients exploring this. It's not an atness. Um, and I think if you hold yourself at bay, then the client doesn't feel that empathy. They can't feel that connection because you're holding. And, you know, we, we can experience this with people that we meet, you know, there are people that aren't necessarily sharing who they are in their every detail, but they're just open and we can feel that openness. And we are, we, we feel pulled into that openness. And then we meet other people that are very closed and they might be telling you about their lives, but we recognize that, that we can't, we, we can't share that space with them. Mm. And I think that that sharing of oneself, it doesn't have to be a disclosing of who we are as human beings, but it's the, the desire to get in the space with the client and share the space with them as we explore what it is that they want to explore. Yeah. And it, um, what's the book? Is it called like Power in the Helping Professions? It's by a Jungian. Um, I, was, I recommend that every coach should read it, but I think it can also help with that hidden power dynamic that can often be there in the coaching where, you know, I'm helping you, even if the coach has, you know, really done a lot of work around not trying to be a hero or saving someone, mm. there's still like a subtle sense of like a power dynamic in the coaching. And, and so I think that's one of the ways that you can um, lessen that in a, in a healthy way and perhaps like even own it, but um, is to is to bring yourself in more, you know, into the coaching. And there's a vulnerability there that that helps. It's it's really interesting. You, you talk about sort of the, the power in the space because we're often trying to depower the space. We're saying, you know, there's an equality in the mm. space. But by being the coach, the client automatically gives us. So we're always trying to hand back power um, in in the space. And I think sometimes we do get a little bit caught in our power. We do get a little bit caught by the client going, but you know, but you've experienced this, but you seem oh so wise. And sometimes, you know, that strokes our ego and we go, oh, mm. maybe I do know. But at the same time, it's like going, oh, wait a minute. I, I, I am human too. And I am like my client, lost, seeking change, uh, dynamic, what, what, whatever those things might be so we don't get caught in in that idea of power um and, and also as, as i was saying that i'm thinking about it recognizing that i also trained as a supervisor a coaching supervisor which i think even though i don't really practice it helps me in my coaching being because it's like i've got a supervisor in the room which is me there's also just kind of going, oh, what's going on there? What's what's that about? Pay attention to that. Um, and even though I still have my own biases, of course, because we do, it just kind of helps me to be aware of what might be going on for me in the space or where might I be trying to take power in the space or where might I be seeking validation yeah. for me as a coach from my client? And where is that unhealthy? And where is that useful? Yeah, totally, totally. Because I do want to say, like, there's, there's like, uh, like owning your power too. You know, like, mm. um, not just trying to throw it all away, but there are moments when own, owning that power consciously can be the right thing. Like, there's no rule about this. Like, and it's it's back to that. The, well, not back to, but it can. It's that paradox, right? It's like it's like as as the coach, we are in control of our coaching skills and our, our being and how we show up. And there is power and energy in that. Whilst at the same time, 
we are giving over of the decision-making to our client. So it's like we both have power and we are powerless and we are both of those things at the same time within the work that we do. It's like we're knowing and we're unknowing. So we know our craft, but we don't know where the client's going to go or what's right for the client. And I think as coaches, we're constantly holding these paradoxes at at play. And over time, we get better at at dancing with them and jumping between the two um, in the work that we do with our coachees. Mm. Well, that's a, to me like just a really beautiful invitation or call, I think. And and, and I know that we're at the time and um, there's this whole conversation around diversity, which I think we can mm. do another time if you're open and, and give that the space it deserves. Uh, but I'd love to, to say like, where can we find out more about your work and Animus and yeah. Yeah. So you can find Animus, animuscoaching.com. That's that's our website and you can kind of see what we do. Uh, we have a free introduction day that people can come along to, to get a sense of our work uh, and, and and how we show up in the space. Um, and, and so there's there's that. And then you can find me, Robert Stevenson, on LinkedIn. That's kind of the, the, one of the, the best places to find me, but I also hang out on Instagram, not so much Facebook. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Robert. It's, it's, this has been uh, a, a real pleasure. It's as, as I was saying at the, at the top of the, the conversation, you know, often I'm the person doing the interviewing in this. It's really nice to, to have the questions uh, coming this way. And I'd absolutely love to come back and, and talk more about uh, diversity and the work that we're doing in that space and the sort of how uh, I think that sort of the impact of the pandemic has also had an impact on uh, diversity or, or inclusion and witnessing it at, at play and how it's caused us to have to face it. I think it's one of the things you said earlier on is that these things are, we're forced to face this stuff when we're, we're, we're made to be at home or, or whatever that is, um, yeah. whatever the right phrase is for that. And I think it's also caused the space around inclusion and diversity to be more alive um because we're we can't escape it by going off on holiday we can't escape tragedies by going Mm. to the pub with our mates it's like we have to kind of sit with it and i think there's something interesting in a kind of a a global sitting with what's happening in the world and and what isn't quite right and how we can begin to explore it and have discussions around it and my belief that coaching is an ideal tool for this because it doesn't have any judgment around it or assumption around it. It's going, let's get into dialogue to explore a way forward. I, just, uh, I know you have to, just, uh, I loved hearing that because I, um, I'm exploring this topic myself when I see, like, I feel a relief when you say that because I also see in places where there's not a lot of dialogue, you know, on both sides. Yeah. Mm. It's like, there's a lot of accusation and, um, polarization and i'm like oh i'm yearning for that space where people can be honest share things and grow together you know like me me too where i'm like oh there's all this stuff and i'm not sure about it and i want to relate to you in that so that i can grow and we can grow yeah because i think when we when we polarize we also create shame and distrust and embarrassment um and uh, and defense so when we create that we, we can't create change from those positions we ha- we have to seek to to have dialogue and exploration and uh share our lived experiences to have a sense of what that means and a sense of okay so what might we do to create change um but not coming from a you did this to me uh, space, but uh, this has happened, right? We can't change what has happened, but what are we choosing to do as we move forward? How are we choosing to be as we move forward? Where are we choosing to create opportunity? Um, where are we choosing to notice our biases and to actively question that? Where are we choosing to create, uh, to enable 
difference to be part of the picture as opposed to separate from from the picture i know i said i had to get at the top of the hour but there's just a, a piece here that i just, just want to share you know we we were having a conversation about um coaching organizations and their part within this because for me uh my, my part around diversity uh, inclusion is in the coaching space because that's where I am. That's where it exists. So, you know, my desire is how can I do something with where I am with the, with the tools that I have? And I look at coaching organizations a, a, a across the UK, a, across Europe, and I'm going, okay, so what, what are they doing? How are they doing? How are we showing up in this space? And it can be really challenging when you attend events and there isn't a diversity in those spaces whether it's the speakers or the attendees and you're going so what's happening that's creating that and how do we change that uh, recognizing that animus has always been a very diverse space and i'm really proud that we've always done that and been like that not through or we must be but just by very nature of being uh, and we've been very open to questioning and checking in on ourselves with that and going, you know, are we doing enough? What else could we do? Where are we getting this wrong? Let's look at that. Let's have conversations uh, uh, about that. And also to call others out in that space and go, hey, come on, what, what are other people doing in this space? This this place we call coaching, which is supposed to be about inclusion and non-judgment. When we look around, is that what we're seeing? So how do we how do we get into that without blaming? Because once we have blame, then we have defense. So it's exactly. like, how do we pull it out in a conversation and go, but let's talk about this. And coaching allows us to talk about it. Because that's what I feel right now with you. It's like, I'm one of those coaching organizations. And, you know, we've, 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 uh, we're in our very own inquiry around this. And I know we've dropped the ball, you know, and we, we failed in ways. And I don't want to feel like, that ashamed about that or anything. And what I love about talking to you right now is I feel like I can just talk about this stuff to you, which mm. is what I want. You know, I'm like, yeah. you've got a lot to share about this. And so um, that's the space I want to be in with people around this topic. Whereas I've felt pretty like, you know, with Robin D'Angelo's work, um, there's some beautiful stuff in it, but man, it's like, <laughs> I see some flaws in that approach, you know. I don't feel like it creates what's happening right here now with you. Hmm. Like, there, I want to acknowledge the beauty in what she's pointing yeah. at, but yeah. I'm also like, it doesn't fit with what I, how I know people work and coaching. She's hmm. making a lot of generalizations. The individual is not included in her work. It's all about the collective, and I'm, I question that. Like, it doesn't fit for me. And what I love about this is there has to be the spectrum for us to find our place because, we, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I remember back in the olden days when we used to have to self-focus cameras, I remember being with a, a, a teacher when I was learning photography and them saying, yeah, go in and out of focus so that you can get sharper in the focus. And I think the spectrum of opinions is necessary so we can kind of move between them to ask the different questions to get to get clear about what well what is it that we want to do and how do we want to explore this and so those different opinions need to exist and need to be vocalized into the space we can take a bit of that and go okay so I agree with that bit but that bit doesn't quite sit for me okay where else can I explore that and and so we kind of create our own uh, new jigsaw of, of beliefs or ideas to, to move forward with. Yeah. Well then, then um, I'm, yeah. Cause I can feel the energy now and um, <laughs> let's, let's make sure we have that conversation soon. Yeah, but I'd love really, to, love I to. really appreciate that. And let's make, I want to be vulnerable in that conversation, show up and be challenged, but also, um, you know, in this space that I feel you create, which is very welcoming. So yeah. Beautiful. Well, let's, right. let's, let's do a swap. I'll, I'll bring you over to the, the Animist uh, podcast, Coaching Uncaged, and, and we can have a, a, a conversation there about uh, diversity and, and also not just a challenging conversation, but an inquiry. Let's have an inquiry yeah. around it. That would be the, the heart of it for me, for sure. Yeah. Like it, the inquiry is what's the most important. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. 
here we are. We're at the end of the podcast. Just a, a heads up again, if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create, then head to coachesrising.com. Put your name in the sign-up box there. You'll also find some of our other offerings, our online trainings for coaches there. And just want to end by wishing you well, and I'll see you again next time. Bye.